0: I'm going to start with this verse, Matthew 13, verses 34 and 35. Say, All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. It's interesting. This is to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. That's a quote from Psalm, I believe it's Psalm 78. This uh, this year, I've begun my 19th year as a school teacher. Um, yay, yeah. Um, this is my 10th year, starting right now. I just finished my 9th year, starting my 10th year as a pastor, um, not to mention Sunday schools over the years and other teaching opportunities. I say this to say that one of my main jobs, and I've had some other jobs that I've really enjoyed. I love stacking boxes and trailers. I'm just, that's me. But... My main job has been explaining things to people. A lot of time spent doing that, trying to explain things to people, make it clear. Um, This year, I've begun a new job at the school where I'm at. I still teach a couple of classes, but the rest of my time, I'm what's known as an instructional coach. I've mentioned this a couple times here. An instructional coach I didn't even know was a thing until I became one. Um, and uh, I get to help teachers, but I've spent more time this last year thinking about teaching than I ever have before. Um, There's a lot of things that I found that I did naturally as a teacher that uh, people have names for, and there's strategies that you can do, and there's things that you can pick up, and ways that you can do things, and so I'm thinking about some of the things that I used to do naturally, but I'm, I'm, I'm just being a little bit more purposeful about what I'm doing. Um, it's affected how I prepare to preach. I think as well about this as an instructional opportunity. I'm, I'm hoping that you will understand things from the Word. And I tell you this because we're going to take a short break from Acts and cover a few uh, of the teachings of Jesus. Okay, And specifically, we're going to talk about parables. Okay, Let me give you the definition of a parable. Uh, the word that's translated parable in the Bible, the word literally means uh, a place... A placing of one thing by the side of another. okay, a Juxtaposition, as of ships in battle. That's kind of like old ships, they would pull up beside each other and they'd be shooting things at each other. They'd pull up right beside or they'd get right next to each other and people would be going back and forth. Okay, so a parable, that's what the word literally means. And so the reason why we use it in this context is because a parable is meant to represent, it's a story that's meant to represent something in reality, Right? And so whatever is in the story then you can you can pick up things about the story and go oh this is kind of like the reality. Uh, one of my favorite little parables that I tell when I'm at school is uh, I will tell some kids uh, I'll be talking to them and and I'll have a couple kids that j- they just don't want to do anything I'm asking them to do and and I'll say uh, you know I'll sit down with them I like to just sit down at the desk next to them when I have chances and just go I'll go You know uh, I used to have this this friend and uh, he'd fallen down a hole and as he was in the hole he would, he would say, man, I wish I could get out of this hole and so I'd go over to him, this friend in the hole and I'd, I'd reach out my hand and I'd say uh, you know, can I help you out of this hole and my friend would go, you can't tell me what to do you know, or I'd say, I might want to help you out of this hole and they, he'd say you know, he'd, she'd spit what at me and the kids would be like, this is a weird story. And I'll say, you know, I tell you this story because trying to teach you feels like what it's like trying to help the friend out of the hole. I'm trying to help you. And what do you do in return? And I, this won't work with all kids, but there are certain kids I'm able to pull this off on. And I'll go, this, this you remind me? And they're like, you know, some of them will catch it right before I get to the end. they go, I see what you're doing, Mr. Harmels. I see what you're doing. Because usually when I, I'm describing the friend in the hole, I start using examples that relate specifically to what that child has done. Uh, one of the new ones I have to do sometimes, I'll go, I'll reach down to help this kid out of the hole and, or this, my friend out of the hole, and, and he'll go, hang on just a second. You know, Get off your phone, I'm trying to help you out of the hole. But that's the idea of a parable. The parable is meant to represent something uh, that's true in life, many times a parable, what it does to this degree in real life is much, much more. But we'll get back to that. Let me go back to that verse again. I have it in a different format this time. Uh, this is Matthew chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. This is near the end. Now, I'm actually going to talk about Matthew 13, verses 1 through 23. And so, that he's going to tell a parable. It's the first one I've picked. But right after that, all that's said, it comes back to this verse, and it says all these things. Matthew, who's writing the book of Matthew, says... All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. So this, he's telling us, is the way that Jesus taught. And I think it's amazing. He says, he said nothing to them without a parable. That's pretty amazing. When Jesus taught, this is his chosen format of teaching, is to tell a story, to illustrate something. And the main reason Matthew says here is that it was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. Now, the the parable that I've chosen is the parable of the sower and the seeds. Now, I've decided on this parable to start off our little excursion away from Acts for a couple of reasons. This particular parable, number one, here's the first reason why I'm, I'm going to talk about this parable today with you in Matthew 13. Number one, it's, it's my go-to parable. Okay? In other words, when I'm trying to talk to somebody and I'm explaining something, this is one of the top parables. Like if I were to list off parables that I've gone to or teachings of Jesus that I've gone to to explain something to somebody, this particular parable is one that I go to all the time. It's so practical, so useful, and so it's one of my go-to parables. And so I'm going to tell you about this parable because I want this to be one of your go-to parables as well. Number two, it's about teaching and learning. And so it's clearly had an uh, impact on me. So there's a lot of what you're going to hear in this parable that has a lot to do with teaching, learning, being receptive, hearing things, not hearing things. There's a lot of connections there. A third reason, I think, is because this parable, and this might be why it could be your go-to parable, this parable explains so many things about what we actually see on a day-to-day basis when it comes to people and the church, okay? So let's jump into this. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1 says, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And so he's by the Sea of Galilee, and if you want to start picturing this, he sat down by the sea. By the way, little side note. A lot of times when Jesus teaches, he sits down to teach. It makes me tempted to bring a chair up here and sit down while I'm teaching you. But I'm, my wife said I couldn't do that, uh, which is probably a good piece of advice because I'd probably lose my train of thought or doze off in my own sermon. That's not good. Okay? But Jesus would sit down to teach. And this is actually a very typical thing for this time period. And it says, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach. So his disciples, many are fishermen. And so he gets out onto this boat and he's sitting down in this boat and the crowds are all on the beach. And so I, I just also think about this and just think about his ability to project his voice. Can you just imagine the, the skill it would take as a, a, a speaker to be sitting in a boat and speaking so the people on the beach can hear you. Now, obviously, it's probably really close to the shore, but can you just, just picture that in your head? His ability to speak and he, while he's sitting down and, and projecting his voice out for everyone to hear. No technology to, to do that, but just saying those things clearly and distinctly. And it says here, and he told them many things in parables, saying, and then it gives us one example. Matthew gives us this example. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. I'll give you a little picture here. This would have been very familiar to them. Okay? The sower, maybe with a piece of his garment, seeds up you know, in this garment, going and, and scattering seeds in his field. Right? No tractors, Right? not planting these things in rows. That's what he would do, throw these things out. And this is a nice picture. This is clearly connected with, uh, the passage we're talking about, do you see the birds swooping down uh, in the path right there? Uh, the, so this is obviously, uh, whoever painted this painted this just for this uh, particular parable. And so here you have these people, and so you can imagine Jesus telling them this story, and they would have, having had a natural experience with this, in their minds, what do you do when you hear a story that you, you've seen happen a hundred times? Don't you start imagining it in your head? So just imagine, so here are these people, they're, they're hearing this, and they're like, yeah, so are in the sea. Maybe some of them had done that that morning. I don't know, right? Maybe they grew up on farms like this where they were the ones, or maybe the kids had to be sent out and they're the ones, so they're, they're going to know exactly what this is talking about. Jesus goes on. He says, other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Uh, I was reading this again this morning, thinking about it. And I started thinking about, you ever seen on the edge of a corn? Now, we're used to cornfields, right? Now, this wouldn't have been corn. This would have been some type of barley or something. But I think about the cornfields. And sometimes there's those, you know, as the, the farmer, he plants. Now, we don't have this as much because he's not throwing the seeds, right? But he's, they're being planted. But sometimes you'll see on the edge of the field, some of those seeds don't quite make it in with the, the rest. And you, sometimes you see the edge of the field, it's like the corn stalks are just everything else is growing great right? So I'm picturing this in my head. Other seeds, he says, uh, fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on ground or in good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And then Jesus ends by saying, he who has ears, let him hear. Now again, not right away, some of these things that happened in this field, you know, the birds obviously came right away. These, These other things would have happened over time, but these people would have been very familiar with this story, as I think we might be as well. Growing up, I mean, you can't go anywhere without seeing fields all around us. And so we would kind of represent, we'd, end, we'd know what this story is about. We would, we would see this, and we'd see, especially this time of year, Bruce being gone, working seven days a week, 12-hour shifts, right? Bringing in that harvest of corn. I think that we would all understand these things. But I think it's about more than seeds and fields, don't you? Right? Remember what a parable means? It's a story. It goes right along beside something. There's something else it's representing. So this particular one, the disciples came to him and said, now that doesn't do this with every particular parable, but this time we're going to get some special insight. The disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Now we know one reason is to fulfill prophecy, but Jesus is going to give a secondary reason that's going on here. He says this, and he answered them, To you, the disciples, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to read that first little part again. That's really important. To you, disciples, followers of Jesus, to you it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given. He will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now, my teacher and me started thinking about this, and I thought, you know, that is so true. The students that have, they, they've got, in fact, I'm just going to tell you something about teaching. One of the things that they know about teaching, for someone to learn something, they have to know something. You've got to know something. So if you start talking about something they have no connection to, they won't be able to get, pull that into what they already know. right? And you have to connect it to something that you know. That's kind of what Jesus is talking about. The secrets of the kingdom have been given to you. So there's this, this hook. And they're able to connect these new truths to that other truth that they already have. And it's so true when I'm teaching students, if they've been paying attention, they've been learning, and they've been following, especially in math, and they've gathered some knowledge, Right As I present more, they, they catch on very quickly. And they're like, oh, okay, got it, okay, got it. But to the ones who've missed something along the way, and I start teaching, sometimes even what they knew or thought they knew gets muddled. And they don't understand it anymore. This is so true to what I see every single day in my classroom. For the disciples... They've been given, right? The ones who have bought in to Jesus, the ones who are all in, they're followers. These secrets have been given. If you're a follower, you have the truth. And then there's this. The one who has, has the truth, the secrets, more is going to be given. More of these hidden things, more of the mysteries, the Bible sometimes calls it. You will have an abundance Abundance of what? Truth. I mean, that's what this is all about. The one who does not have the truth, the secrets of the kingdom, what he does have will be taken away. I think that we see this sometimes. If you have the simple truths, starting off, Jesus is Savior. Believe that? He's my Savior. You start off with that simple truth that Jesus is worth following, you will be given more truth. But those who don't buy in, maybe they like hearing it. They like hearing the things of Jesus. They like hearing the stories. The little bit of truth that they have just starts to slip away, and we've seen this, have we not? Many of us know people personally who seem to have some inclination, but they kind of drift off. Jesus continues... He says, this is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they don't see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says this, you will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear. And their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. So he continues to speak, Jesus does. He speaks in parables, knowing full well that not all that hear really hear. What's he doing? He knows that those that do, more is being given to them. Those that don't, What they even have is being taken away, and he knows this. It's fulfilling these truths. But he comes back because the emphasis here, and although we could talk about what's going on in Isaiah, I want to focus on the disciples. He says, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Understand that for hundreds of years through the Old Testament, prophets talking about the Messiah that was to come. They didn't have the full picture. But see, us now, we've got the full picture. We've got Jesus. We know what all this... And so we look back over these prophecies of old and we go, oh, that's got to do with Jesus. There are people, who prophets, who long to see those things. And you've been given the secret. I would love if each and every one of us could just... Sink into that truth. You've been given the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. There's a lot of people out there that wonder, man, what's, what's the thing? What's the secret to all this that's going on? You've got it. You've been told the secret of the kingdom of heaven, the secrets, the deep truths of God. Now, Jesus shifts gears he talks about this but then he comes back to his disciples and one of the few times Jesus actually does this he's going to explain this parable many times he does not many times the parable is left and we're left to interpret what it means this particular time Jesus says here's what it means once again this is one of my favorite uh, parables because it's just so clear listen to what he says he says to his disciples here then the parable of the sower and so he's going to explain what it means he says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So in the illustration, as a sower is throwing seeds, the seeds that fell on the path, right? Understand, first of all, the seed is the word of God, isn't it? You see that in this picture? So the, the word of God is being sent out, and maybe it's being Preached or, or taught or shared in, in a lunchroom, right? It, the Word of God is going out and it's on, on some heart, some soil, right? What happens? They hear it, but they have no clue what you're talking about. Some people, this is just a reality, are completely unreceptive to the truth. Glazed eyes, The lights are on, but nobody's home. Have you ever been talking to somebody like that? I, I've been that person. <laughs> Somebody's talking to me. And my, you, ever, you do that, they're, they're talking to you. Maybe it's happening to you right now, I don't know. But, but they're, they're talking and you're going, you know, you're thinking about lunch, you're thinking about something else. I mean, it's just, right? And you can always tell when that's happening with somebody you're talking to them you can tell you're you're looking in their eyes and and their eyes cease to be focused on you they're like kind of focused on this part of your forehead or something and you're like i'm over here all right i have to do this with my students all the time hello right zoned out they're they're completely thinking about something else the point is here there are people who when they hear the word of god and you know exactly what this is like in a spiritual sense as well you've shared the word with them and sometimes there can be a lot of different reactions but you you always kind of know sometimes you don't but sometimes you do you're talking to them and you, they're going maybe they're agreeing they're going yeah yeah and sometimes i are thinking man they're getting this and then they'll co- they'll go you know it's kind of like this and they'll share something else and you're going what does that have to do with anything man, you are not getting this at all. It's disheartening though. When some people are like this, it's hard. Because you want, like teaching math, and as much as I want them to learn that, this truth, the secrets of the kingdom, don't you, want, don't you just want everybody to know it? I do. Everybody to know it. There's some people, and it's so, so difficult, so challenging, because you, you throw it out, and, and even though you can't see the birds, it's almost like you, you can, and snatched. God, it's nothing. Verse 20. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Now, this is all interesting, what's going on here? It said earlier in the parable that the one that fell on rock ground grew up real fast. Here Jesus says he's received it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution, these two things, arise on account of the word, immediately falls away. This is gonna sound harsh. That some people are inherently shallow. I, I don't say it to be harsh. But this is a reality. This is the person who might come to church. They hear the word. They seem like they believe it. I think there can even be professions of faith with the person that's falling into this category. And it springs up. They receive it with joy. I, I've seen this. You've seen this. Receive God. This is so good. And they receive it with joy. But what happens? What were the two things? In fact, let me go back and I want you to look because I want you to identify the two things that caused the issue. What are the two things that caused the issue with this person? Feel free to browse through that verse. The two things that come up. Yeah. Tribulation and Persecution. Maybe they're pressured. Maybe they're mocked. I actually haven't seen a lot of these things myself. Um, For being a Christian, I know that it happens, made fun of. It doesn't have to be intense. Maybe it's just a little. Maybe it comes out in small ways, like, oh, I guess you've got religion now, huh? You think you're better than us? Is that what's going on? And that person's going, I know I'm not better than you. I'm just going to church because I know I'm horrible, right? Right? But what happens? Let's be honest. It isn't easy to be a Christian. And there are many receive it immediate with, immediately with joy, but then the hard times come. Notice it's not just persecution. It's also tribulation. The trials come. And if there's no depth of root, what happens? The word shrivels. Often in the Bible we are told, in fact, Matthew 24, 24, 13 says, uh, and this is Jesus speaking, says, but he who endures to the end will be saved. Does this mean that endurance has become a factor of getting saved? No. What it means is that endurance is a characteristic of real faith. Endurance is a characteristic of a person who has the Word of God that has taken root into the depths of their being. You know, we've seen this particular situation, this stony ground. We don't always see how it happens. Maybe sometimes I think it's directed at the church, not necessarily at the person. They go out and they go, Edgewood, they're so judgmental. They're so critical. They don't really care about you. And the tribulations come. Whatever it is, it's enough to pull them away. This is, again, why this is my go-to passage, because I've seen this. and Trying to interpret what I see going on in reality, and this passage answers much for me. Because sometimes it's easy to see somebody and think, man, they were, they were doing this, and they were reading the Bible, and they were coming to church, and they were doing this. What happened? This might be it. Maybe what we saw was not something genuine with depth. It was the Word of God. Absolutely but it hadn't really taken root in the heart. It dries up. This, even more so than the first, is disheartening to watch, is it not? To see someone spring up with joy in the Scriptures, and they fade away. As a pastor, I find that exceptionally difficult to see this happen And I'm doing everything I can with certain ones to, I think, pull out the rocks out of the soil. Hopefully to build some depth. But I know that ultimately there's nothing that I can do. Jesus continues on with his disciples and explains the next part. He says, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Again, I know that we've seen this at our church. What does it mean when someone stops coming, whether it's the previous situation or this one? What does it mean when a person stops following Christ or can't repent of their sin? Or frankly, there's just other things that are more important. This one, instead of being disheartening, sometimes I find frustrating. I'll see somebody and the Word is taken some measure of root in their heart. But then I see them, all these other things of life. And it, it seems like to me, this happens almost immediately when somebody lets the word of God take root. All of a sudden, all these other things start to pop up. Many of you know exactly what that's about because you started wanting to follow God and all of a sudden, all these things start going wrong. Anybody had that happen? Yeah. Okay, did some of you raise your hand and some of you just went like this? <laughs> it's happening now, Right? I, th- th- it seems like there's such a connection with this. And, and I have to say, I want to put it this way, some people are overwhelmingly deceived. Other things have taken root. Things that seem so, so important. They have some measure of importance. Things that feel, though, essential. Ideas, cares, concerns, desires. Hopes, dreams, so many. They like the word, they let it take root. But there are all these other things that have root as well. These last two examples answer so many questions for me. What we're seeing was the word of God at work. The second one here is the only one that I think there may be some potential for genuine salvation. Because it ends by saying that it proves to be unfruitful. It doesn't say that the word dies out. I don't know. It's hard to tell. I think many Christians might fall right into this category. They find themselves unfruitful. And if we were to get right down to the reason, it's because their heart is full of a thousand other things that they're worried about. And they've been deceived in thinking that those things are important when really the only thing that's important is the secret of the kingdom of heaven and those truths. Finally, Jesus ends with his disciples by saying, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. And then what happens? He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold and another 60, and another 30. This is what we see with someone who really does have the Word of God planted deep within. I'm going to put it this way. Some people are bountifully fruitful. Some ground, some hearts are bountifully fruitful. And the thing about this, and note, this is so essential, and I tried to find a different way to word this last point, but understand that ultimately it has nothing to do with what you're doing the soil was ready as the seed landed as an educator i listen to this story and i think you know what the determining factor of whether or not a child learns is something that's completely internal i've seen kids that have the worst teacher in the world they have a horrible background their their home life is challenging but because they want to learn. For whatever reason, they want to learn. Maybe they see it as, a, as hope. They see it as a possibility of escape from their situations. Maybe they just see it as a way to, to step up the ladder and go somewhere else. Whatever the reason is, when I've seen a student that desires to learn, man, you can't stop him. I've also seen kids who have no desire at all, and they could have the most amazing, fabulous teacher in the world doing the most amazing Fabulous strategies that just are astounding and they're teacher of the year and and all over the world. But if a student does not want to learn, man, it doesn't matter. You could be doing cartwheels around them, explaining it the best way possible. So as an educator, I hear this and I say, you know, there's something internal, something deeper that determines whether or not truth is received and takes root and grows. As a pastor, I hear this and I read this and I think to myself, the heart has got to be prepared by the lord i'm casting the word out where it lands i can't really do anything about that in fact when i think about that as a learner as a recipient i think well the soil what can the soil do can the, can the if you're listening to this and you go man, I don't want to be like the wayside soil, or I don't want to be like the, the the soil that's, you know, over here that's got a bunch of stones in it, or I don't want to be like the soil that's got... All the, I don't want to be one of the... Have you ever seen soil go, I'm just not what I'm supposed to be, and get up out of the ground, and mosey over to the middle of the field, and plop back in, and no, I am good soil, and I will receive the seed and grow things. That, that doesn't happen. And so at the end of this, I go... Oh, what, what are we going to do is learn you're recipients of this? What can you do? Nothing, even as the sower you mean, you can't like change. Now there's some things you might be able to try to do to make it good soil, but there's very little you can actually do once that seed lands. That's the soil that it's landed in. What do you do? So think about that. You're sitting here right now. And you may be sitting here going, which one am I? I mean, in fact, I think that's the question you ought to ask. I think that's the question anybody ought to ask when they hear this parable. Which soil am I? I mean, forget how it comes from the teacher. Just think about yourself. Which soil am I? Am I like the wayside? So I I hear the word of God. Maybe I read my Bible or the pastor preaches or I hear something on the radio. Somebody's preaching, teaching. I hear this truth. Does it just go in and one out and out the other? That's challenging because if it's doing that, then it's probably happening right now, isn't it? It might be for you going in at one ear and right out the other ear, and you're going, and maybe you're sitting there going, mm hmm, mm hmm, mm hmm. You have no idea what's happening. So if you're that one, I'm, I don't know what to tell you. Pray that God changes something, digs this up. Change that path, that well-trodden dirt, and turns it up and, or digs it up and moves it over. I don't know. Maybe you're sitting here going, I don't want to be that shallow one. I mean, that, that one sounded horrible. I mean, some people are inherently shallow. That just even sounds bad, doesn't it? And Most shallow people think that. They could think, I don't want to be a shallow person. That's what shallow people think. What do you do? Can you just make yourself unshallow? No. You start to see as you're going through these things, like, man, God, save us. And I think that how this works is that as you're hearing this, if you hear it and you realize you're the wrong kind of soil and you want to be the good soil, you realize in the depths of that moment that you can't change it. And as soon as that light bulb goes on, you have grasped the secret to the gospel you can't save yourself Jesus is Savior and suddenly you find you're not bad soil suddenly you find that the, the God of the universe has come in and dug out those rocks I wish you knew more about soil because I could throw in some other things like it has the right acidity or something I haven't got a clue about dirt so it all looks the same to me I just remember when I lived in South Carolina, it was all red dirt, and up here it's black dirt, and the black dirt seems better. I don't know. Maybe you're sitting here, and you find yourself unfruitful. The Word of God may have taken root, but there are many other things that have also taken root in your heart. Many other things that you find yourself daily concerned with. You find yourself as a Christian unfruitful. You might be thinking, what does it mean to be fruitful? We're going to talk about that a little bit on Wednesday night. This going to be part of our second look that we take on Wednesday night. But the gist of it is that God is producing, that that, that Word is producing things. Paul describes the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, right? These sorts of things. There's, there's fruit. The Word of God is reproducing itself, right? You're just the soil, The Word of God is growing and producing more of itself. And so the the good things of the gospel, but but that's kind of the general idea. And you may find yourself like, I want more of that. I find myself instead, I'm just usually angry or frustrated or I'm short-tempered or, uh, you know, I I get worried or fearsome all the time. What's going on? I, I want more of those fruitful things. You may find... That the real issue is that you have all sorts of other things that have taken root. And once again, you find yourself going, well, what can I do about that? The fact that you're thinking that is the first sign that you could start going, God, dig, get these thorns out of here. Dig them up. There's another parable, which I love, that talks about something very similar to this, where there's this tree. And I, I've actually talked about this because it was John, when we went through the Gospel of John. There's this tree that's not producing And it says the farmer sends out the hired hand. The hired hand comes over and it says that he digs around it. And it actually says then he dungs it, you know, puts some manure around it to get it to grow. I love that illustration. And if I had time, I might jump into that parable as well, because that's exactly what happens. Like, Lord, get me to grow. You're going to find the God of the universe starts digging up stuff in your life, right? What else is he going to do? Put some manure (laughs) Right, bring in some stinky circumstances around your life to bring you to be the right kind of soil I'm going to close today with the hope that you're sitting here going I want to be fruitful I I want that when I hear this I want that I want to be bountifully fruitful sounds wonderful how can I get there? what can I do? may find that ultimately all it is is understanding God does that the power of the parable comes when you realize which one you associate with and God opens those eyes that are hard of seeing and those ears that are hard of hearing and so if you're sitting here today and you're realizing man I'm more like this one or this one or this one that is the spirit of God coming to you and digging up that soil to bring you to a different place. And so I say to you, when you hear the words of God and it, it feels like it's impacting, embrace it and say, God, do all of its work. Let let your word do all of its work in me. Whatever needs to happen, let it happen, God. I, I don't want to continue being the one that's got all the weeds growing up. And I'm unfruitful. Lord, let your word do all that it needs to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this story. Lord, I pray now that you would take these words, Lord, that have been sown out into this room. God, I pray that you would prepare the soil of each person's heart. God, that it might land and take deep roots and begin to produce fruit. God, I pray that it won't be snatched away. God, I pray that if there are those in this room that are shallow of heart, of God, I pray that you dig deep and break up that soil. If there are those in this room that have so many other things growing up, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, God, I pray that you would chop those things down and uproot them out of these people's hearts. That your word might grow deep into the soil of their heart, will grow deep. Strong and will begin to produce fruit. I pray that some in here, that fruit will be some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30, whatever you desire. But I pray that you'd be with those in this room that as of this moment right now, the seed is penetrating deep into the heart. And I pray that you'd help them not to be hard-hearted in response, but to pray even now God, do all that your word needs to do to me so that I might be the right kind of soil, the best kind of soil. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.